since this is not my first church service, I know you have two questions in your mind. First of all, your question is, is that old man the preacher at this church? And the answer to that is no, I'm the substitute. And a substitute is never as good as the varsity players. The second question you have, is that old preacher going to preach for 30 or 35 minutes? The answer to that is no. Uh, I was on the radio for about 30 years, and I can cut and paste on the fly. So <clears throat> I want to thank Miss Beckett for that wonderful Christmas story. It really is not only great literature, but it's great truth. And we're here today on Christmas Eve, and we look forward, although we know that Christ was not born on the 25th, but we have set aside a day to remember that Christ came into the world to save sinners, Paul said, and I am the chief of sinners. So let me read a few verses from the second chapter of Luke. And there were shepherds living in the fields near, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were terrified. But the angel said unto them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy, which will be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, and he is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find the babe wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to them, on men whom he favors. The shepherds play a very important part in the Christmas story. In fact, in my research, I found out that the word shepherd uh, is found about 200 times in Scripture. 70 times it is found in the New Testament. It is interesting, as we focus on the shepherds here, that in John 10, our precious Lord said, I am the good shepherd. You probably know that there were some of the prominent people of the Old Testament that were shepherds. Moses was a shepherd for 40 years under his father-in-law Jethro in the Midian Desert. You remember he was there because God had placed him there because of his disobedience. And he, along with David, was a shepherd. You remember David, king of Judah, perhaps the prominent king in the Old Testament, but he was a shepherd, and he wrote that beautiful 23rd Psalm. But today, we don't have a, a lot of shepherds. I, it occurred to me that I've never met a shepherd. And uh, years ago, and I guess it was because Baptist preachers are, are never sure about the, how long they're going to have a job, and so I used to read the want ads. They don't put them in the paper like they used to, but... And all of my looking, I discovered I had never seen a want ad wanting somebody to be a shepherd. 
shepherds, of course, had three basic responsibilities. It was their job uh, to lead the sheep to green pasture so they could have nourishment. The shepherd was to provide clean water. And thirdly, uh, the shepherd had the responsibility of, as you know, protecting the sheep from those predator animals. Now, when the angel appeared to the shepherds, it is interesting because, you see, shepherds were on the lower end of the scale. They were not of the upper crust. They were men who had calluses on their hands, and they carried the dirt of a hard day's work. But yet it was a shepherd that God sent the angels to appear to them, and that, of course, is a magnificent ministry, and the message was personal. Look in verse 11. He said, today, these were the angelic messengers, today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. In other words, the Christmas story, the Christmas message, the meaning of the time that we call Christmas, it is a personal message. And you remember it was on one occasion when our Lord, in dialogue with the very highly educated Nicodemus, Nicodemus probably would have gone to the Harvard of his day, although going to Harvard today doesn't mean a whole lot, but my point is, he said, Nicodemus, you need to be born again. And in all of our Christmas celebrations, we must not forget that the purpose of Jesus' birth was ultimately to go to a place called Calvary. And it was at Calvary that he purchased our salvation. It was at Calvary that he shed his blood. And it was at Calvary that we learn, as Paul said, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. As good as you think you might be, or as good as I think I might be, we're all sinners. We all live under the mercy of God. We all live by the grace of God. The message of Christmas is that God has come to us. Because the angel said, today in the town of David, and by the way, I think you understand that the reason the blessed couple, Mary and Joseph, went to Bethlehem and not maybe Jerusalem is because Joseph was of the house and line of David. And so when the governor sent out a decree that they were to be taxed, they had to go be registered in Bethlehem because his lineage or line was in Bethlehem. And it was last Sunday I said to you that the meaning of the word Bethlehem means that house of bread. And it was Jesus who said, I am the bread of life. It is interesting that Bethlehem in that day was a very small town. Scholars believe it was about 2,000 people. Bethlehem was uh, a route to town, a, a suburb, as you might say, from Jerusalem. It was six miles from Jerusalem, but the angels did not go to someone in Jerusalem, they appeared, as it were, to those hillside shepherds 
in a little country town called Bethlehem. Even today, Bethlehem is not a huge place, 30 to 40,000 people. But he says in verse 11, Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. The message of the Gospel of John is to answer the question was who was the man who hung on the cross? You see, it's not enough for us to believe that Jesus was a good man. It is not enough for us to believe that he was a great teacher. It is not enough for us to believe that he performed many miracles. If we do not understand that the baby born in Bethlehem was God wrapped in flesh, that is the meaning of the incarnation. For you shall find Jesus, a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. The word Christ means Messiah, the one who in the eons of eternity God chose to send to planet earth so that you and I may have our sins forgiven. It was a personal message. It says, it's born to you. And so for me, at 84 years of age, Christmas is very personal. You see, we really have two Christmases, the kind with the presents and all the things, and I'm not against that, but also the message as I sit and reflect upon what does Christmas mean to me? Well, Christmas means to me that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. You see, folks, the most important question that I could ever ask of you, the most important question that the most astute intellectual philosopher could ask of you is, where will you spend eternity? I have done a lot of funerals in my time. And the ultimate question of life is, where am I going to spend eternity? You see, it's not just this life, but it is eternal life. And Jesus speaks to us. It was, and being a Christian is an individual decision. Your parents cannot make that decision for you. It's an individual decision. Nicodemus, you must be born again. And I say to you today that the Christmas message is ultimately very personal and it has ultimately to do where will you spend eternity. Now we can dismiss God, but just because we reject God does not mean he does not exist. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Oh, you remember on one occasion that even Paul, Jesus spoke to him in Acts 9, and he, he made it very personal. He said, Paul, or Saul at that time, why are you persecuting me? The message of Christmas is a personal one, but the manner of the Christmas story is a paradox. Let me share with you what a paradox is. I'm not a real sharp preacher, but so I looked it up in the dictionary. A paradox is a statement which seems to be contrary to common sense. A paradox is truths which appear to be opposed to each other. 
And so the whole Christmas story is a paradox. The fact that Jesus was born to a teenage mother who was of a lower economic class is a paradox. If we had written the Christmas story, he would have been born in majesty and robed in purple, but Jesus was laid in a manger because there was no room for him in the inn. The great truths of God's word are indeed a paradox. The Christmas story is a story that God has come to us in the person of his son. The Christmas story is a divine event. It was planned in eternity. Even the Bible says the lamb was slain before the foundation of the world. I say to you today that we who are followers of Christ recognize that the Christmas story is indeed a magnificent mystery. It defies our ability to completely comprehend. As smart as we are, folks, we will never be able to wrap mighty God into a little theological box. You remember it was the prophet Isaiah said, for that Jesus Christ will be called Counselor, Wonderful God, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. He is the one who comes to us robed in flesh. Think about it. When Mary was conceived or Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit, which is a paradox, all of us, were born physically. Jesus was born physically, but precious Mary was a virgin. That means a mystery that goes beyond reason. Just because we cannot understand something does not mean that something is not true. I confess to you, I do not understand the mystery of the Christmas message but I believe it is true. I believe Jesus was born in flesh. I believe that Jesus, as an embryo in the blessed mother's womb, was God then. Because it is a mystery. And he who was born into the world as a baby, and when he opened his eyes, he opened his eyes to everything that he created. Because listen to this. The Bible tells us that through him, this is in John chapter 1, through him, referring to Jesus, all things were made, and without him, referring to Jesus, nothing was made that has been made. When Jesus was born, that little manger baby, that little baby who was weak in the flesh, yet he, in that magnificent mystery, had created everything that he looked at. That is a paradox. It goes beyond reasoning. And therefore, John Milton, that great poet, said this in his poem, On the Morning of Christ's Nativity. Christ forsook the courts of everlasting days and took with us the house of darksome clay. In other words, the God of the universe, 
sometime in eternity, decided that it was time for Jesus to be born in a world that desperately needed him. Jesus was appointed by God, as one of these young men said, the father of Jesus was God himself. The mystery of the Trinity, but yet it's true. God the Father, who is a spirit. God the Son, who came to us. God the Holy Spirit, who dwells in us if we are children of God. Oh, I don't know, sometimes I think in my mind's eye what it was like for after the Lord was given the command that it's time to go and redeem the earth that has fallen. You remember in Genesis, it was not long where God says, it makes me sad or sorrow or I repent that I have created man. Why? Because man sinned. He had one thing that he couldn't touch and that was the tree. And they took of the fruit and man sinned. But today, you and I, we know about sin. We read the newspapers. We know about the wars that are going along in the the world today. We, We wonder why the world is so dark. It's because of sin, my sin, and your sin. And Jesus traveled through the mystery of eternity. He passed in my mind's eye the galaxy that is called Vertigo. And in that galaxy, which is about 65 light years away. You know what a light year is. It is the distance it takes light to travel in a whole year. One light year is almost six trillion miles. So you can understand that that's further than here from Boone's Mill. Six trillion miles. And this galaxy is about 60 light years away. And he comes to a place called Earth, a a place that God created, and he made man. And man was the crown of God's creation. When he created the animals and the fish of the sea, he said it's good. But when he created man and woman, he said it is very good. You see, folks, we are the crown of God's creation. We were created in the image of God, but we sinned against God. And the message of Christmas is God so loved us that he sent his only begotten son. He came not to Athens or Cairo or Rome, not even Jerusalem, but he came to a route to town called Bethlehem. And he was born there. And so we sing, O little town of Bethlehem, how still we see thee lie. The hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. Ah, the meaning of Christmas is the fact that not only is it personal, not only is it a paradox, but it is God keeping his promise. Because you remember it tells us that we who are the people of God, Isaiah the prophet told us that a virgin would conceive. Isaiah the prophet said that his name shall be called Wonderful for Unto us a child is born. That is the message of Messiah, or or the Messiah, that 
great piece written by Handel, and it begins, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. And then he says this, The Prince of Peace. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we could have peace on earth and goodwill to men? That's what we sing about at Christmas. But there's a, a war raging in Africa. There's one in Ukraine. There's one in Gaza. And I hope that you are praying for that because, you see, our world is in a dark place. And Jesus came into a world of darkness it was a Catholic cardinal that I saw on TV. I, I, I think he has a relationship with Jesus Christ because he talked about Christ came into the world to be the light. And you remember it was Jesus who said, I am the light of the world. And so today what we remember is that God loves us. Christ died for us. He was born in a place called Bethlehem that small town, and so we are not to be afraid. This is what Isaiah 41.10 says. Let me read it to you. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, and I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Did you know something that... Isaiah 41.10 is the most Googled verse on your Bible apps and has been for the last three years that says something about the world in which we live because he says, do not fear, I am with you. Do not be dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you by my righteous right hand. And so today, as I close, maybe you're here today and you feel weak and discouraged or depressed. I don't know what it is about Christmas, but in my reading, I have found out that depression seems to be more prominent during the Christmas holidays. And I'm not sure why that is, but the story of Christmas is that God has come to us to help us. The story of Christmas is that we can have peace, not only in the world, ultimately that will be true, but we can have peace in our heart. And so I close with this question. In terms of your own personal life, do you have peace in your heart? I'm uh, 84. I think I mentioned that before. Um, but I've got peace in my heart. And I know I don't have long. I, I'm in the home stretch, folks. But just because you're young doesn't mean you're going to live a long time. And we need to know that. My wife and I learned that when the Marine Corps knocked on our door and told us that our son had been killed, 25 years old. Some of you have lost loved ones. Just because you're young doesn't mean you're going to live a long time. First funeral I ever had was a little boy who died of leukemia, four years old. What I'm saying to you, that's the reason that we need to know where we're going to spend eternity. Where are you going to spend eternity? 
To go to heaven, you have to come through Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. Not I am a way, a truth, or a life. I am the way. Jesus is the hope of the world. I am thankful for Christmas. In wintertime, we have hope. In December, Jesus comes and he reminds us that God loves us. Jesus died for us. And we can go to heaven if we follow Jesus. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today for your word. We thank you for the story of Christmas. Lord, we are grateful that you love us and that you care for us. Maybe there's somebody here today that they they don't have peace in their hearts and they're struggling. Lord, I pray that you would reveal your love and your way to them. Lord, we thank you for those who are visiting with us today. We pray for them. We ask, Lord, that you administer to us as we celebrate the wonderful gift of God, Jesus Christ. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Our praise team is going to, well, two of them, going to... uh, Uh, Lead us in an invitational hymn. I think we ought to have an invitational hymn. Uh, I I was not going to have one because I knew we'd go over, and Brother Fred said, I think we ought, and I agree with him. Maybe you're here today, and you have a burden on your heart, and you want me to pray for you. A lady came some some weeks ago and said, pray for my daughter. She's got a, 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 a health problem. And I got news this week that she doesn't have a health problem. And all this week I've been thanking God that he answers prayer. If you have a need, you come as we stand and sing.